Happy New Year, everyone. My name is D.G. Peterson, and I am with New Fellowship Missionary Baptist Church of Newark, Delaware, where our pastor is Dontel Hall Sr. And today's Adult Sunday School podcast um, lesson is The Way, The Truth, and The Life. This is lesson text coming from lesson text John 14, verses 1 through 11. I will begin with reading the scripture lesson text, but before I um, begin, I'll open up in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for allowing us to see another year, year that we've never seen before, year 2022. Heavenly Father, I pray that each and every person that is listening today, God, will be blessed and that you will continue to watch over them and bless them and their families and friends. Heavenly Father, for those that are sick right now, God, Um, with COVID or any uh, sickness out there among them. God, I pray that you will heal them. Heal them all, God. God, I thank you so much for everything that you've done. I thank you so much, God, for everything that you're going to do. I thank you, God, for giving us another chance to give you all the glory and the praises. All this I ask in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We'll begin by reading the scripture lesson lesson text, starting with John 14 at verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know the way, ye know. Thomas said unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Verse 7, If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him, and have seen him. Verse 8, Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus said unto him, Have you been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that have seen me have seen the Father, and how sayest thou then, Show us the Father? Verse 10, Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me. The words that I speak unto you, I speak not on of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me. He doeth the works. And verse 11, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work sakes. I have read verse um, chapter John chapter 14, verse 1 through 11. The golden text is Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. John 14 and 6. Now, while some funerary practices have changed in recent years, one thing seems to have remained constant. The scripture passage commonly read at funerals and memorial services. One of the most popular is the beginning of John chapter 14. 
Jesus spoke these words not to comfort his disciples in the face of their own death, but to prepare them for his. Since these words were spoken after he had instituted the Lord's Supper and washed the feet of his disciples, we can assume that it was late in the evening, but before they eventually made their way to the Garden of Gethsemane, while we cannot ascertain the precise time of these events, we do know that Jesus' crucifixion was not more than 12 hours away. In our, tech, in our um, Sunday school book, it begins at the um, top of it says, Believe in me. And this is about John 14, verses 1. Now, chapters 13 through 17 record what occurred in the upper room at Jesus' final Passover. To set the background for this week's lesson, we note that Jesus had washed the disciples' feet and also revealed that there was a traitor among them. Now, John divulged the identity of the betrayer to us in verse 13, um, chapter 13, verse 26. But the disciples at this time did not know it in verses 28 and 29. Once Satan had entered Judah, Jesus commanded him that thou doest do quickly. Verse 27. Now, when the betrayal now absent, Jesus began to re- reveal to those who remained the event that would soon befall them. He also gave some instructions, meant not only for them, but for all future believers as well. Jesus informed his disciples that he would only be with them a little while longer and that he would soon be going where they could not follow him. Now, when Peter asked Jesus where he was going, he answered by saying merely that he could not follow him now, but would follow later. But Peter again asked why this was so and added that he was willing to lay down his life for Jesus. Now, the Lord's response appears to have ended Peter's persistent inquiry, prophesying that he would deny him three times before morning dawn. So when Jesus said to his disciples, let not your heart be troubled in verse um, one of chapter 14, his intentions was to assure them after all Christ had just spoken um, ominous words that had shocked and saddened them. He had begun their teacher and constant companion for three years. Now he spoke of his imminent departure. Now, actually, Jesus had previously warned them on numerous occasions that he would one day be rejected and killed at Jerusalem. Now, in verse 1, Jesus is not telling his disciples to merely put troubling thoughts out of their minds, but to see those troubling thoughts in the new light of their eternal hope in him. Now, the reasoning is that since they already believed in God the Father, they should likewise place the same trust in him. For he had always faithfully revealed the Father to them as they had been following him over the course of their discipleship. Now they themselves were witnesses to both the Father's love and the faithfulness toward him and his love faithfulness toward the Father. Now, it is possible to vaguely believe in God, but not believe in Christ, as is the case with various world religions. Now, many people believe in the existence 
of God, of the Bible, but have never trusted Christ as Lord and Savior. Now, what such people believe about God is often rife with many unbiblical ideas about him. But in reality, even holding correct beliefs about God does not save anyone. You can find this in James 2 verses 19. If we believe in the true God of scriptures, according to the testimony of scriptures, we will also trust and believe in his son, Jesus Christ, who has fully and faithfully revealed him. Now, we're going into the um, my father's house, which is John 14, verses 2 and 3. The father house is generally understood to be heaven. Jesus, of course, was not going to heaven directly from the upper room. Between this time and his actual ascension into heaven, a number of events had to occur. Most significantly, his crucifixion and resurrection. Now, our English word mansion comes from the Latin mansio, meaning a place to stay. Hence, it generally could be understood as any house or home of any description. But for most of us today, a mansion conjures up the idea of a large stately home usually occupied by the wealthy. Now the Greek word rendered mansion appears only twice in the New Testament, here and in verse 23, where it is translated abode. It is the noun form of the verb translated abide. Form um, in chapter 15, verses 4, 6, and 7, and 10. Therefore, we should not assume that Christ is saying here that each individual will have his own private, large, stately home in heaven. Now, Jesus is saying that there are many places for believers to live in heaven, indicating nothing about their relative size, but rather emphasizing the tremendous privilege of abiding eternally with him and the Father. Now, while the words, I go to prepare a place for you, chapter 14, verse 2, are usually seen as referring to heaven, we should not imagine that Jesus was returning there to engage in a construction project to accommodate his new followers. We should see it more along the broader lines of the invitation come ye blesseth of my father inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world and this can be found in Matthew 25 verse 34 now Christ would soon die and rise from the dead in this way he was making the necessary preparations for his true disciples to be with him forever now apart from his redemptive work We are hopelessly lost with no abiding place in God's presence. Heaven is indeed a place prepared for people whom God has likewise prepared to inhabit it. Now the fact that Christ would come again, John 14 verse 3, is usually understood as a reference to his second coming. Some may think this is a reference to his resurrection, but his state purpose was having his disciples be where he would be surely the kingdom he would establish. 
Now, in any event, the apostles had to trust in Christ to receive these promises. What was true of them is also true of us. Now, these verses here, verses four to seven, when it talks about, and whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know, Thomas said unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know thy way? Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. Now, although Jesus said that the disciples knew the way to get where he was going, they apparently did not fully grasp his meaning. Now, as we think about these men who were with Jesus day and night doing his ministry, we may often wonder why they did not better comprehend the things he said and did. We probably think that somehow we would have been different. Hmm. Now, whether we would have understood Jesus any better in their place is doubtful. The crucial difference between them and us is that we have the advantage of looking back on things after the completion of Christ's redemptive work, whereas they were in the midst of the experience and event that preceded its fulfillment. We also have the advantage of the illumination of the indwelling Holy Spirit, who would not come upon them until Pentecost. Now, Thomas is mentioned in the other Gospels, but only in passing, when listed among the other apostles. In John, however, he is mentioned several times, the most famous being when he doubted the testimony of others concerning Jesus' resurrection. Whatever else might be said about Thomas, he does not seem to have been inquisitive and willing to speak his mind. On this occasion, he openly stated that he and the other disciples did not know where Christ was going, nor did they know the way. Now, John 14, verses 6 and 7. Now, verse 6 is one of the most famous and frequently quoted declarations of Jesus. It is also one of the most controversial, since it denies the possibility that faith in any other than Jesus Christ can actually lead a person to the true God. Jesus corrected Thomas' objection by revealing to him that in fact they did know the way because they knew him and he himself is that way. The way, not a thing but a person, to know that person is to know the way. Now Christ is also the truth. Yes, he spoke the truth, but he is as well the very embodiment of the truth in human form. Jesus declared that God's word is truth, and he himself is God's word made flesh. Now, to look upon Jesus is to look upon the truth personified. More important, to know Jesus is to know the truth, for he himself is the truth that set us free from sin and death to live abundantly. Now, moreover, never did Christ deceive anyone about the truth, distort the truth, or deny the truth in any way whatsoever. 
Christ is also the life. Life is a common theme in John's gospel and is usually referred specifically to eternal life, um, which actually begins when we receive Christ as Lord and Savior by faith. Moreover, Christ is the creator of all physical and spiritual life in the universe. Commenting on the truth of John, chapter 14, verse 6, the German monk Thomas A. Kempis, born 1380-1471, famously wrote, Without the way, there is no going. Without the truth, there is no knowing. Without life, there is no living that no one can come to the Father except through Christ has some implications regarding the effectiveness of prayer. But the primary implication here has to do with salvation. Simply put, no one can be saved apart from Jesus Christ. You can find this, want to jot these scriptures down in Acts 4, verse 12, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5 through 6. Now, while many feel that the idea of Christ alone being the way to God is narrow-minded and judgmental, this truth is a foundational to any understanding of who Christ really is. Now, while it is true that similarities in spiritual teaching overlaps in many religions, there are always, by definition, similarities between all counterfeits and the true original. Otherwise, they could never hope to pass for the original. To know Christ is to know the Father. Again, this is John 14 and 7. The disciples not only knew the Father, they had actually seen him in the persons of his Son. They had not really grasped that truth up to this point, but Jesus assured them that from then on, they would know the Father intimately. Now this was possible only because they had seen him in Christ who would continue to make the Father known to them. Now here's where the Father is shown in verses 8 through 11. Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the Father and it sufficeth us. Verse 9 says, Jesus said unto him, Have I been so long with so long time with you, and yes, hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father, and how sayest thou then show us the Father? Verse 10, believeth thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. In verse 11, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. So seeing the Father in John 14 verses 8 through 9, to know Christ is to also know the Father. It is a wonderful truth that the disciples had actually seen the Father, seen him in person of Jesus. While this concept may seem difficult to grasp for us today, it might have actually been easier in the ancient world since a son's traditionally represented and spoke for his father in a way that is rarely acknowledged in our current culture. Like Thomas Phillips, 
is mentioned briefly in this apostolic list in the synagogue synoptics, but nothing is actually said about him. Now, according to John, however, Philip was one of the first followers of Christ and he brought Nathaniel to Jesus. Philip is also noted in the feeding of the 5,000 and in bringing some Greeks to see Jesus. Now, in all of the above instances, Andrew is mentioned as well, likely meaning that they were close friends. Still confused about what Jesus was saying concerning the Father, Philip asked him to show the Father to them. Now, if the disciples could just be granted an actual look at God himself, Philip reasoned that would be the fulfillment of all their needs forever. Now, in answer to what seems such a bold request, reminiscent of Moses' request to behold the Lord's glory, this was in Exodus 33, verse 18, Jesus redirected Philip thinking with a general, gentle rebuke. Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? That was verse 9. In other words, Jesus was saying, After all this time, Philip, haven't you seen enough of me to be convinced that, I'm, that I am myself, the full revelation of the Father? Sometimes we have to do that with people in our lives, even with our own family. You know, out of all these years you've been knowing me, and you still don't know who I am? Now for us to know God, to see the Father, all we have to do is look at Jesus. He perfectly revealed God himself. If we want to know how God behaves toward people, look at how Jesus treated people. If we want to know God's character and integrity, examine Christ's character and integrity in the gospel. All the attributes of God the Father are revealed in God the Son. Now, in John 14, verses 10 through 11, talking about the words and the works. Now, there should have been no doubt in the minds of the disciples that the Father was in the Son and the Son was in the Father. Moreover, the words of Christ are the words of God. Jesus did not come to his own will, but his Father's will. His words were not his own, but the Father's words. His works likewise were the Father's works. What Jesus said here, he had already said in other places, even in John chapter 5, verse 36, John chapter 10, verse 37 to 38, also John chapter 12, verse 49 through 50. So this was not any new teaching, but merely a review, so to speak. Now, the works in this case had to do with the miraculous signs Christ had performed, which are present presented throughout John's gospel as testifying to his divine identity and forming the foundation for saving faith. Now, while John is very selective concerning the miracles he records in his gospel, relating only seven of them, he acknowledges that there were so many more that were actually innumerable. Both miraculous signs and other works would continue under the ministry 
of the apostles and their successors. Now today, since we have the completed canon of written scriptures, 2 Timothy verse, chapter 3, verse 16 to 17, it is generally unnecessary to verify God's truth by means of miracles, for faith comes by hearing God's word. And this is Romans 10, um, verse 17. Now, Many skeptics and critics of Christianity criticizes what they believe in the arbitrary inclusivity of our faith. Many wonder how we can say that there is only one way to heaven. Who are we to say what's the right way is? Jesus is often seen as nothing more than a good teacher who showed one way to get to heaven. But he is much more than just a teacher And he did not just show us the way or show us a way to get to heaven. In his words, he is the way, the only way. Christianity is exclusive in that Jesus is the only way to God. While the gospel is exclusive, it offers is inclusive in that anyone who turns from their sinful ways to follow Christ in faith and love can come to the Father through him. All who want to come to God through him will not be turned away, but all who seek another path will not find it. This claim of exclusiveness does not originate with the church. It is the claim of Jesus Christ himself. Now, just to rewind a little bit, Jesus had just told his disciples that he was going to suffer and die. To make matters worse, one of them would betray him and another would deny him. John 13, verse 21 to 38. At this point, the disciples were dejected and troubled. Jesus gave them good news. However, it would come again for them, and he is in fact the way to God. He is worthy of our trust even when we are upset or confused and we and will never leave us. So just know that our hope is found in Jesus. That the way to God is through Jesus. And to see Jesus is to see God. You know, this lesson was truly a good lesson. You know, in concluding this lesson, just remember this heartbreak can often cloud our thinking and rattle our faith. So no matter what you're going through, yes, at times it can cause you to lose your faith. Jesus tells us, however, that we are to trust him even in these times. He has not forgotten you and even death cannot separate a believer from Christ. Christ has prepared a place in the Father's house for all who believe in him and persevere by his grace to the end. So do not be fooled by other claims to get to God. Jesus is the only way. So I want to thank you so much um, for listening to this podcast today. Now, in the next lesson, that's coming on next Sunday, we will see that we are completely dependent upon Christ for everything.
just as a branch is completely reliant on the vine for life and nourishment. So again, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast, the Sunday School Lesson. Um, I also want to end with the practical points. And I'll start with number one, the best way to maintain peace of mind is to trust in Jesus. This was John 14 and 1. And yes, if you want peace in your life, put Jesus in your life. We can rest assured that we have a place in God's presence. When we do not know where to go, what to do, or what to say, we can ask God. So if you're coming up against people that's questioning you or trying to, you know, put you on the spot and you don't know what to say, just ask God. He'll give you the answer you need to say to whoever it is you need to say it to. But in all things, you have to trust that God is able to do any and everything in your life. To know Jesus is to know God. The Lord does not become angry or frustrated when we ask questions that he has already answered. So you can go to God as many times as you can, asking him the same question, because he knows. He knows all about what you're going through. Don't feel bad. Don't hesitate to go to God in prayer. Everything Jesus tells us is straight from God, the Father himself. So in concluding this lesson, I want you to remember that God is here for you. If you want to receive him in your life, just go to him, ask for forgiveness, accept him in your heart, and trust that Jesus will save you. He will do that. And may God bless each and every one of you. Until next time. Happy New Year and be blessed.